Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special opinion podcast for The Gateway. It is election season, as you may have heard, and today I am here talking with some very lovely volunteers about the elections we have been covering. So my name is Peyton. I'm the opinion editor for The Gateway, as you might already know, and here I am today with Damien and Mitchell. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Hello, uh, my name is Damien, and I am a first-year student and contributor for The Gateway. Hey there, my name's Mitchell. I'm a third-year political science major, and I'm also an opinion volunteer for The Gateway. Great. Okay. So, today we are here to talk about, as I said, elections. So, things have been getting a little bit spicy so far. We're just sitting here talking about the things that have happened. So, uh, the first race I would like to talk about is the bog rep race. So, for the bog rep race, we've got a couple of different candidates. So, we've got Dave Conrad and Albert Hu. Do you guys have any particular you know, opinions on them so far? I'm going to be honest and say, like, I feel like the bog rep race has been one of the more, like, stagnant races this election. I definitely feel like they both offer similar things, but I think that they're both, like, I think they have the same goals, but I think they just have slightly different ways of getting there. Yeah, it's pretty much so far nothing nothing super exciting from either candidate. I'd like to wait uh, a little bit more until the Horowitz debate to see which one really stands out before I fully make a decision. Uh, so far, the things that Dave Conrad has mentioned so far sounds very similar to what Rowan put forward uh, last year, and I'm hoping to see some more innovation uh, later on. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I think that a lot of Dave Conrad's platform has been relying on Lay um, because, you know, he brings him up all the time. And, you know, Albert, who, well, he has been a little iffy, I guess you could say so far. I think that he did better than I expected, like, especially at forums and stuff and like bringing up points out of the blue. I I expected him to kind of flounder, you know, as somebody with very little experience in student government, um, but he hasn't. And I don't know, it's going to be a tough decision when it comes election day for the bog rep race. Yeah, well, I definitely think it's interesting what you're saying about Albert, too, because I remember last year um, when Rowan ran, he also didn't have any prior uh, experience as an elected representative. So I'm kind of curious kind of to see, like, how someone like Albert also is doing so well, like maybe it's a good thing to have an outsider's perspective on the bog rep because it is a role so different from the rest of the executive. That's very true. Yeah. Um, in case you guys don't know, bog reps actually don't get paid um, to represent the board of governors, uh, to the student union and to council. Um, it's kind of a thankless role, I guess. Um, and they often don't do very well in report cards either. Uh, so it's just it's kind of interesting to see two people who are working so hard to get the role. I mean, last year, of course, Rowan Lay was uncontested, um, but he still did a pretty good job this year. So, uh, you know, time will tell. Time will tell who the better candidate is. I think it'll be interesting, that comment about uh, getting an outsider's perspective and sort of bringing some uh, new innovation uh, might be some uh, prevalent theme that we'll see in the other races. Yes, true. Okay, speaking of the other races, let's talk about the VPSL. So that's the Vice President of Student Life, in case you don't know. Um, they are a paid member of the uh, Student Union Executive. Um, and this year, that role was taken by uh, Jared Larson. So Jared Larson um, kind of did his best with the role this year. Of course, he he has a lot of investment in students and residents, especially. Um, for instance, he 
worked heavily with Hub Mall this year and last year, improving, you know, security, that kind of thing. Um, and we've got a couple different candidates for the, v- the vice president student life role. And those candidates this year for vice president student life are Talia Dixon um, and Katie Kidd. So both of these people are heavily steeped in student government. They have a lot of experience with it. Um, and you can see it in their platforms. Both of them have been fairly solid i would say at the forums and as well in their campaigns like their posters and stuff neither of them were particularly egregious but uh what do you guys think yeah i think i would really agree with that you know i think that out of all the races it's the one that i have like the happiest problem with because i think they're both really strong candidates i think they both offer really different visions of the role you know i think dixon focuses a lot on climate justice um and decolonization which is really really great um, and definitely bring something new to the role. Uh, whereas Katie Kidd's platform is mainly structured around preventing sexual assault on campus, which has thus far been, it's been a long-standing issue in the SU. So it's they're both really bold platforms, so I really enjoy them both. So far in the race, I would give Dixon the slight edge because seeing her at forums, uh, she seems more confident and more understanding of her platform and sort of where she would take the role of VPSL if she was elected. And I hope that that will continue. And perhaps there is still time for Katie Kidd to show some unique aspects of her platform to encourage voters as we get into the remainder of this campaign. I'd say that's definitely true, but I think my worry with Dixon is her platform is so extensive in their goals that I just, I would worry about her getting everything accomplished. Like I know she has a platform point um, to get IUDs 100% um, free and accessible on campus, which I think is really great, but I don't know if that's super accomplishable within her own portfolio. Um, And so I I kind of worry about the carry through on a lot of these promises, even though overall I think they're all really strong and great. Yeah, fair enough. I just personally see her as more approachable and someone that can be held better accountable by students. Those are both kind of fair arguments. I would say that I kind of agree uh, with... Dixon just pulling ahead a little bit, but I also do know that some of her goals are not very accomplishable. Like, for instance, as you mentioned, the IUD point, an individual IUD costs over $300. And without, you know, insurance or anything, that's just the straight up price. And also, that's not like an option for every person. It is a pretty invasive form of birth control. Not to get too personal, but I do have one and not everybody can, you know, deal with the initial pain of getting one. But it is kind of a nice idea. I think we should look more towards things like oral contraceptives before we consider things like IUDs. I know it is a more long-term solution, but not everybody wants that long-term of a solution, you know. But overall, this race is pretty strong. I think that both have been competent at forums. Both have argued their points well. And, you know, a side note, I'm very glad to see this many women in the race this year. Absolutely. Uh, Last year, there were only two women, if you guys recall, uh, running for any position within the SU or the SU exec. And it was just insane. So this year, it's great to see that at least, you know, one role will be. Yeah, well, and there's two executives guaranteed as well. Cause oh, yeah. Two, uh, Vice President of Operations and Finance is also being contested by two women. So that's true. We'll be doubling the role of women on SU exec regardless of the outcome. So yeah, and that's really good to see, especially given that a lot of their platforms focus specifically on women on campus, which is something that I think it should always be a concern. Women need to be more involved in government. And maybe if women see oh look at all these roles 
you know, covered by women or just non-binary people within government, they'll be more likely to run in the future. So it's just good to have this kind of representation, no matter what, no matter who wins. And like I said, I both I think both candidates are more than able to do the position correctly. <laughs> I think that uh, the fact that none of the races this year are uncontested is already a telltale sign that people are getting more interested and more active in student politics, which is a great sign for the future. I think so too. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next position we want to talk about. So we just talked about one of the races Mitchell is covering. So he's got a lot of expertise in the VP student life portfolio. Let's now talk about the VP academic portfolio. Now the contestants for the academic portfolio are going to be David Draper and Eric Einerson. Any initial thoughts on this, especially from you, Damien, you're covering this race? Yes. So I've seen both candidates uh, and I followed them very closely in the forums that have taken place so far. And um, I have to say that for a position that normally a candidate can just get by by promising to remain accountable to uh, all academic councils and such and providing for students it's really nice to see that both candidates are bringing forward fresh ideas and a lot of innovation, uh, specifically digital ideas. For example, Draper uh, brought forward uh, the idea of a bear tracks replacement uh, that he's calling the Orca. And there is plenty of issues with bear tracks. It is slow. It's unreliable. It's very confusing. So if this were to pass, I think that it would be very beneficial to the students. And in addition, Einerson has uh, considered putting in a feedback system on the SU website for students to comment and share their thoughts on how student governance is going throughout the year, which would be a very welcome addition. I believe that so far, Einerson has proven to be a bit stronger. I like his platform a bit better. It's more inclusive towards students and it's much more accommodating towards their needs. Although it is a little bit difficult to capture uh, where some of the platform points are very focused on giving individual needs to students on a campus with 40,000 students, that might be a bit difficult. But uh, the things that he has proposed so far, such as more open educational resources and speaking uh, more closely with the bookstore on prices of textbooks and other student resources is very encouraging. On the other hand, Draper, I'm waiting to see some more other ideas that he's going to bring forward. A lot of his rhetoric so far in the forums has been focusing on encouraging more students to take part in uh, academic boards and more focusing on advocacy and sort of showing off his experience already in these academic boards and councils. And I just hope that more would come out of Draper's sort of repertoire if he does uh, get the position, because I, I feel like faculties, uh, faculty committees don't always have the best ideas in mind for students. Yeah, I, th I think that you really touched on the main points of the race there that I, I really do think are the key differences between them at least for me watching the race, like I feel like David Draper is really focused on the inner workings of the VP academic role, which I think is really great. Um, but I, I do think Eric Anderson has a much stronger platform in the regards to actually connecting to students outside of these committees, which like I do have questions about achievability of that. Yeah. But I really, I think that's actually the way to go because I really do think the SU's problem has been doing outreach and kind of getting outside of the students that are always going to be in student government and including other people. So I'm really heartened to see that Eric Anderson really takes that on. I think he's really done a good job of touting that out at forums. 
yeah, like with that one quote from the Substage forum where being an insider makes you forget what it's like to be an outsider. And uh, with these two candidates, you have uh, a benefit of choice. Uh, it's really a matter of what sort of governance that you want. And uh, I guess we'll see how that unfolds. That's true. And, uh, you know, you can't argue with that rap squad, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. In his, in his uh, poster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I agree with you guys. I think Eric Anderson has been a lot stronger um, at forms, too. I, I know that David Draper has brought up a couple different things, um, but I mean, we saw a lot of stagnancy this year from the vice president academic portfolio, uh, and it would be really nice to not see that anymore. I think either of these candidates is passionate enough to make real change. It just, I guess, comes down to what you value more um, in your vice president academic. And in that sense, I think for me, at least, Eric Einerson is coming out stronger um, and even more approachable too. like David Draper it seems very involved, which can be a good thing, but can also be a deterrent for students, you know, when they're approaching you about concerns. And especially as the VP academic, you want to be, you know, that approachable person that people can come to with concerns. Um, but I, like I said, I think either candidate would be, you know, good enough in the position. Yeah, I think that's like a really good issue to have. I think a lot of the vice presidential races at least are coming down to which like they present very different visions between candidates and a lot of them. And so it's kind of which role you want to see enacted. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so now we've talked about a couple of different uh, the vice president races. Um, so next, let's move on to something that we don't have somebody specifically covering here. Um, unfortunately, Brie couldn't make it, but we will look at the vice president external role anyway. So this year we've got Robert Bielak and Rowan Lay running for that. Um, Robert Bielak, this is his third time running for it. Um, and Rowan Lay was last year's Board of Governors representative. So... What are your guys' initial thoughts about this? Neither of you are personally com covering this race, so this is kind of a good way to see, you know, somebody who's not, you know, viciously studying everything about the role. <laughs> yeah, M Mitchell and I have both been uh, watching this race unfold sort of in the background, and uh, you can tell, even without keeping a close full eye, that Rowan Lee is bringing more experience and a much stronger vision to the table compared to Robert, uh, despite Robert running for this position uh, multiple times at this point. And I, I feel like Rowan so far has been the stronger uh, debut in this in this certain uh, race for vice president. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it continues onward. Yeah, I'd 100% agree with that. Uh, I think Damien touched on it really well because I think that Watching in the background, I really do applaud Robert for having so much passion for student government. Like, I really think that's something both of them have. But I think Rowan just has so much more of a clear vision and has clear ideas of how to solve problems that are facing students in regards to relations with the provincial government. Uh, the specific thing I'm thinking about is I know at the substage forum, he got up and said that... Um, we can't just go to a march for an hour and then just call that advocacy. And I think that really touches on me personally, like what I think the issue with the VP externals role has been in the last little bit. So I think that Rowan has done a really, really good job of presenting that. That's definitely true. And another thing to take into consideration is, you know, with all the budget cuts, um, even some that we just saw a few days ago, you know, <laughs> uh, this is an important role. This is an extremely important role. Um, the VP external, if you're un unaware of what their role is, basically they advocate to governments, federal, provincial, 
um, even even municipal, uh, and they they are responsible for a lot of the work that gets done around students at the government level. Now, this year we haven't necessarily seen a ton of that, which is a shame because we needed it at the provincial level, and it's just it's going to be interesting. Um, I think the Meyer Horowitz is going to have a lot of interesting questions uh, for these guys. And we'll see how they respond to them and how they are actually going to better advocate to the government. Uh, because obviously these impacts are the ruin of students, especially 6.9% tuition increase, um, you know, 11% cuts across the board for the University of Alberta. It's, it's bad across the board. And basically we need to have somebody who is going to represent us properly at the government level because otherwise we're going to be just facing this more and more. The conservative government might be difficult to advocate to as some people have said about the role but um, not difficult enough that you can't even approach them with certain matters. So yeah I just think it's really important for us to have somebody in the VP external role who is going to do this for students and do it well. Yeah, I'm curious, what do you both think about Rowan's approach to focusing on advocating towards the provincial government versus Robert, who's uh, thinking more about turning towards the federal government? I don't think the provincial government has seen enough attention, especially this year, and especially considering who they are versus who the federal government is. Um, So, for instance, I know that Adam Brown this year, who is the current sitting VPX, Um, spent a lot of time at CASA, which is the Canadian Alliance of Student Associations. And that's because, you know, the, the old party line is our association with other student associations makes us stronger in the face of the federal government. But that's not where we needed advocacy this year. Um, and it's not where we're going to need advocacy in the coming years. So honestly, I prefer Rowan Lay's approach. I think that he is towing the line that needs to be towed right now. And I do think that BLAG wanting to chair a bunch of organizations brings up a bad taste in my mouth, especially considering the time that Brown spent at CASA this year. Um, And BLAG wants to do much the same with cause. So, you know, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely would agree with that as well. I think. uh, Bilak gave an answer at the first form of the entire race where he talked about how he would go and focus immediately on federal government in regards to Steph because he just felt he'd get nowhere with the provincial government. And I just yeah. think that by saying that, you close off a whole like list of alternatives and potentials that you're just not even considering. Yeah. And I, I think is like I, I have quite a few friends who've worked in government relations and lobbying. I just think a lot of them would be willing to outright say that that's a poor approach to do it by leaving all that on the table. Yeah, because you'd first have to go through CASA, and then if that works, will Trudeau even even listen? Because just look at the distribution of seats within Alberta. It's not liberal, so why would Trudeau be looking towards helping out Alberta when they voted against him? Well, and also even beyond that, why would he be willing to help us when we didn't even go to the provincial government first? Like, mm-hmm. it feels odd that we're immediately going above the provincial government's head when we haven't even really spoken to them about it. You'd be you skipping know? a step. Exactly. And the provincial government, who may have worked with us, will then not because they'll feel, you know, slighted yeah. by us going straight to Papa Trudeau or whatever. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. So... Now we're going to move on to talking about our final vice president race, the vice president of operations and finance. So this year, uh, we've got a couple of people running for that. They are Alana Cron and Samantha Tse. Um, and 
both candidates have shown a lot of passion at the forums. What do you guys think? Well, I'll hand it over to Mitchell because uh, he's been uh, also covering this race. Um, so uh, what do you have to say? Well, yeah, I certainly think, I think it's funny because I, I am covering both the Vice President Student Life and Vice President Operations and Finance races, and I really didn't expect Operations and Finance to have nearly as much passion as it did, which I think is great. Um, I will say I think that this is very similar to other ones. This has two really different visions of what it is, you know. Um, Samantha gets up on stage and the first thing Samantha almost always wants to talk about is how much student fees we pay. We pay $100 in student fees and we don't know how many services we get in exchange. So her biggest thing on her platform is making sure we get that value back for money and is she wants to remove all these accessibility barriers around services and make them more accessible. Whereas Alana, I really find, wants to expand a lot of those services outright. Um, I know that one of her biggest platform promises is really to try and grow Meyer Horwitz catering and events to bring in money. Um, and uh, a lot of her other stuff is focused on mental health. So creating a wellness space in sub, which a lot of the details are sparse, but I think it's really good. Um, and so overall, I really think Alana has a better plan because I think accessibility is only part of the issue. You know, I think you can focus on how much money you want to get back for something over and over again. But I think that if you're trying to find ways to reinvest that money somewhere, which I really do think Alana is thinking about and like really deep in the roots, then I think that that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, it's funny. This race has a lot to unpack, even though that both candidates arguably don't have as much uh, experience compared to other races within um, finance and other uh, related areas of expertise for this position. So um, one of the things that you haven't brought up yet is the sort of the, the both candidates reliance on the capital and sustainability fund so far. And um, I think it'd be interesting to unpack that. A hundred percent. Yeah. So both of them, especially at the first form, mentioned uh, they mentioned the sustainable and capital fund in three of the five possible yeah. responses. <laughs> um, and so they really leaned on it. And it's because they the ops and fi operations and finance role has to do more to try and expand the budget that they're working with to get students like more services. And I think they're both really relying on it. But I really don't think that they've thought about how much they're going to be able to do if this doesn't pass. Like, I know in a recent substage form, I believe they both rough, like, um, Samantha said that it would be three quarters of her platform that would be able to get done without it. And Alana said that she'd be able to accomplish a lot of her initiatives around mental health and wellness. Uh, but I really, really question that. I really don't know if that's the truth. I think an interesting part about this race is that neither of them seem to be running for operations and finance. Every True. answer they give is very much VP student life or VP external. Like mm -hmm. neither of them are ever really referencing numbers that much. And like you guys said, they're really relying on the sustainability and capital fund, um, which is quite a high fee and it's uncertain if it will pass because it's twin a couple years ago did not pass. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's interesting to see that both of them are very passionate and that's evident at forums. Mm -hmm. They come for each other. But it's it's strange that they have all this passion and yet neither of them can really consolidate into a clear plan for their specific role. 
like sure it's great to focus on mental wellness and and supports on campus and stuff but um ultimately that falls under the vice president's student life role that does fall under them and though sure you know operations and finance might collaborate with them to provide funding for mental health initiatives that's not their portfolio (laughs) their portfolio is um, funding for the student union um deferred maintenance uh that kind of thing and it's i don't know it's odd it's very strange to see that they're both focusing so heavily on student life initiatives. It, it makes me wonder why they didn't run for student life instead of operations and finance. If it's any consolation, it is a bit of a thankless job that they'll be entering in, whichever one of them gets elected, uh, because they are entering a moment where money will be tight and uh, they'll have to look for capital somehow. The reliance on capital sustainability fund, that's that's sort of a reaction. Um, it's very like instinctual at the time, but whoever enters the position will need to find other ways to get capital for whatever initiatives they want to put forward. And that's not something that I would want to look forward as a VP Ops Fi. A hundred percent. And I think that's why both of them are choosing not to focus on it, to be honest. Because I think, I think like so many people in every single race are focusing about what's due in regards to the UCP cuts and like how to like make student life better. And I think that, especially in this race, has overshadowed a lot of things that they could be talking about. Like, I don't actually think either of them have mentioned deferred maintenance at a form, if I'm not correct. Like, if I'm not correct. Not that I can remember right now. Um, yeah. If, <laughs> I mean, if they have, it's been insignificant, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's times like these where we need to focus on the harder stuff and let students know exactly what's going to be happening, exactly what's going to be going forward, what kinds of things the operations and finance vice president can be doing to make that easier on students. And instead, they've just been saying all these flowery things like the sustainability and capital fund will help us renovate sub and, and get new furniture in here and build this great mental health space and all this stuff that just can't happen without it. Mm-hmm. And then other parts of their platform which don't rely on the SCF um, are just kind of wishy-washy in my opinion like I mean you're the one covering it Mitchell I don't know well I would say definitely in regards to like like I would say Samantha has one really big goal and that's to make everything more accessible I mean at at the substage forum that was the one thing she kept going back to she kept going back to how many fees you pay and I just think that it was really really weak to just keep hitting one point over and over again um, and so I really do think that there's like, not a ton of substance there. And then with Alana, it's not even that it's wishy-washy as much as it's really idealistic. Like, I think, like you touched on, a lot of it does fall outside of her portfolio. And I am really heartened to see that she wants to do more for these areas. But I really do question how much of it they're actually going to be able to get done. Cause, like, the sustainability and capital fund is really, it's really questionable if it's going to pass or not. And to put so much of your platform on it makes me question how seriously you're taking these initiatives if you're willing to risk them all on something that may not pass. Yeah, it's it's, uh, like very difficult for voters as well because uh, you don't have credibility being put forward through these responses, through their statements in forums. And so it is uh, it makes the vote very difficult. And I'll admit that this is one of the races that um, I am uh, most concerned about that I am going to have to put a lot of thought in before I vote. Uh, just to see who I believe will put forward a better uh, position in office and who will be able to carry the um, students union forward uh, from a financial perspective. I just, I mean, like, I feel like Alana Kron is pulling ahead, not because 
she has better platform points or anything like that, but because at forums, when Samantha Say is asked things that she hasn't necessarily thought about, she doesn't come up with an answer on the spot. She just says, I haven't thought about that. I'll get back to you. Or that's part of learning with the role or something like that. And to me, I think that's not good enough as a student. If you're an- if you're asking something at a forum and you want an answer from a candidate, I'll get back to you, should not be good enough. We don't, uh, we don't accept that with our current executive team. Why should we accept that with a candidate, you know? So um, before we take a look at the head haunt show, um, so let's take a look at some of the referendums and plebiscites. So uh, first of all, let's look at the yes side for the sustainability and capital fund. It has no no side. How do you guys feel about this? I personally feel like the sustainability and capital fund's a really, really good idea because I do think deferred maintenance has been around for so long. Um, I question if it's going to pass because there have been so many initiatives like it that have failed that have been less expensive to students. Um, the one thing I think is really interesting is seeing how the proposal for this fund has changed over time, though. Initially, when it was pitched earlier in the year, um, it was a lot more focused on addressing deferred maintenance and long-term sustainability in regards to the building. And over time, it's turned into this thing that the SU um, and the current execs that are campaigning for it are being like, oh, this is meant to address climate change and we're going to be able to do all this stuff with it. So I think they found a way to take something that was pitched before and failed and invent it into something new, even though only, I think, 20% of it has to go towards green initiatives. So I think it's a really interesting proposal. My main beef with the Sustainability and Capital Fund does fall in its use because there is a lot of talk at the forums and stuff about how oh it's going to be sustainable it's going to work towards quote a greener sub um which that sounds lovely but one of the main things they're proposing is replacing all the furniture in the student union building which to me does not scream sustainability especially seeing as the furniture is fine right now like (laughs) it's not it's not so horrible that if i sit on it my bones break Uh, so I it's pretty comfortable actually so I really just don't understand how that's a sustainability issue I think if they were pitching it better it would have a better chance of passing being such a high fee I don't necessarily know if students will think it's worth it to pay um, because it's almost $50 a year it is $50 a year it's over $50 a year so yeah yeah I would I would agree with that well and I think it'll be interesting to see if this like if their focus on it being climate change focused does change anything but I really question it because I think that there's gonna be so many students who don't know what it is that go in to vote and just see that they'd have to pay $25 a semester and either vote no or vote none of the above don't get me wrong I'm sure that if it did get if it will get passed if it will get passed, uh, certain good things could come out of it. But right now, it's just too uncertain. And uh, that's not a good sign for some sort of uh, referendum like this to have this uncertainty because there should be some confidence behind it. There should be a plan um, and contingencies if it doesn't uh, come to pass. And I haven't seen any of that. So that's not good. So now let's talk about some plebiscites. Um, so let's... Let's have a conversation about the yes side for the Golden Bears Legacy Fund. There is no no side for this. But the my problem with this is mainly that I don't know what it's for. And nobody knows what it's for. Like, I, I do know what it's for. I've researched it because I have to. It's my job. But they don't talk about what it's for at forums. They just say 
this you know this has been a fund that's really helped students and the pandas and golden bears and i i just don't know what it's about like can you give me some information to what it's about and what the money will go towards i would really agree with that i haven't been following um the golden bears legacy fund really closely but i have been to the forums that they've spoken at and i haven't gotten anything tangible out of it you know when you look at the posters put up for advertising they don't put information on them either about what this will uh, fund or put forward and uh, sure you can only do so much with a limited amount of space but that is probably what a student will see most likely and I would like to see there at least something that will give me an indication where this will go and since they're designed similar to how the other athletics advertisements are that that could be just a sign oh it's going to improve experiences surrounding athletics but i would prefer something more tangible now that we've looked at that let's take a look at the yes side for the landing it also does not have a no side um what are our thoughts on that i mean i feel like they haven't run like to say they've run a poor like just like really not seen campaign would be dishonest because i feel like they're not running much of a campaign at all like i haven't seen posters up for them they've gone to one forum but i haven't seen anything else but i mean the landing's such an important service like as someone who is queer i feel like the landing's vital so i'm hoping it passes but i do feel like they've been very absent at forums and in the public eye yeah this is certainly something that um i would i would support um but uh i'm sure that for people who will be coming into the election not seeing as much that came out of the forums or promotional material if if i was in that position i would like to see more information now that we have discussed all of that we have come to the head honcho the big the big cheese as you will (laughs) (laughs) um so for president this year there's a few people running um three people to be exact the most contested race this year uh so first up we've got joel agarwal he's running for president he was the previous vice president academic um then we've got yiming chen who it was not on the SU executive team, um, but she has some limited experience in student governance, um, as you'll see. And Luke Statt is also running for president. He was the previous vice president of operations and finance. So, well, like honestly, I th- I think it's I think it's going to either go to Luke Statt or Joel Agarwal because of their experience. Um, I will say I think Yuming Chen has performed really really well at Forms, at least better than I was expecting. Um, given uh, her lack of experience being in an SU executive position. Um, I will say, though, that I think this has been, like, a really strange race, and overall, like, at least for me, kind of a disappointing race, because I feel like they're not offering up anything new to the position. I agree, and I think that the end race will be between Luke Stout and Joel Agarwal because of their previous experience and because of the ideas they're putting forward. However, um, it's been kind of strange to see everybody, candidates included, treat Yuming like her candidacy is a joke. Yeah, um, agreed. It, it may have been announced last minute, but I think it's unfair to treat her that way. But on the side of uh, Luke Stat and Joel Agarwal, I think that my problem with their platforms is that they are running on the basis of their previous positions, which I'm not a fan of. I've never been a fan yeah, of that. Yeah. Um, I hate that they're relying on their knowledge from their previ- from their current executive positions to kind of shoehorn their way into the presidential position. Yeah, I, I will 100% agree with that. Like, I think, I think that at least I feel like when we're at forums, Yiming, when she goes up on stage, 
like I can tell you afterwards what Yiming stands for and what values she stands for because she gets up there and she talks about trying to foster better community and trying to take better care of international students, which I would say has been a much like an unjustly so an underfocused area in the presidential race itself. Um, so I think that Yiming up being up there has brought up so many issues that are of importance. So I wish that people would not treat her like a joke because she's honestly in a lot of ways given better and more passionate answers to questions than either of the other two candidates I find but um, yeah uh, I'll add on to that uh, that even if Yiming's points are not completely fleshed out. I think that international student perspective is huge. It is fundamental. It is something that we're not seeing in any of, of the other races. It's probably something that we haven't seen in the student union for a little while. And I, I hope that uh, that will continue to be reflected at the uh, Horowitz Forum. Um, that'll really be the last opportunity for candidates to really sink their teeth into students to convince them to vote in their direction. And all I can say is that time will tell how this uh, really goes uh, through. But it's so far been underwhelming, uh, which is not good for a presidential race. <laughs> I'll definitely agree with that, Damien. I, I'm hoping that at the Meyer Horowitz Forum today, we're going to be able to see more plans for advocacy because they've been super sparse on the part of um, Joel and Luke, I find, where they kind of just say, you know, advocacy is important. We didn't do it quick enough next year. We'll improve this year, but don't provide any real details. And then... Um, Yiming, who has said that she would more so want to focus on internal issues before external issues, which has been, like, the clearest statement on it, and it's a really weak statement on it, to be honest. I guess, like you said, I guess time will tell. Um, I so I so wish that we had some stronger responses, and I wish that people were pushing on it. Like, how how are we as students allowing this to slide by and allowing mediocre candidates to you know, pass through the student union. Um, and while I don't think a no vote would be a better solution in any way, um, I do think that I want some clear, strong words from the presidential candidates today at Meyer Horwitz. I really do. Yeah, agreed. Well, I want to know, like, it's really, I think, like, going through all the vice presidential races with everyone, there's, like, real clear options there, at least. Like, you have an option between someone like, um, Samantha or Alana, you have an option between someone like David or Eric. Um, whereas I just feel here, I feel like it's still just really cloudy. And having been at so many forums, I feel like that's a, a disappointing aspect of this race. Yeah, I think with that in mind, moving forward uh, in this coming year, accountability will be a major factor that will be explored. Um, we're going to need to monitor whoever gets uh, to win the ballot very closely because in this coming year, a lot of important decisions will need to be made, not just within government governance, but within just how the university continues forward through these more difficult financial times and what priorities are put forward, what uh, decisions are made, and they need to be ensured that they are made in the student's best interest, because if not, then why have a student union at all that isn't representing us? True. Um, I think that's a good note to uh, let you guys go on. Uh, so thank you for joining us today on this very special episode of the podcast. It'll be great to see you guys um, come out to Meyer Horowitz. All classes are canceled for it. Uh, please come by. It's not actually in Meyer Horowitz because of a scheduling error, but um, 
it's it's going to be great. It's always a really good forum. Um, everybody gets asked questions. Everybody has to, you know, is really pushed to give good answers. So, yeah. Um, but like I said, uh, our time on this podcast with you is done. I hope you've taken away something about the races from it. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. My name is Peyton. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I've been uh, Damien. Yeah, thank you for listening as well. Uh, and I'm Mitchell. And yeah, ask some good questions at today's forum. Yes, please do. Thank you guys all. Um, have a good rest of your day. See you at the forum. And as always, stay opinionated.